The NFL Draft Week is here, and there's going to be two volunteers selected in the first round Thursday night. We've been talking about it. We've been previewing it. More and more evidence is coming to the table. Tennessee will have two first-round selections. I'll tell you which two those are. That and more here on your Tuesday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, everybody? Welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, and I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys, as always, for making Locked On Vols your first listen. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That is your team every single day. Shout out, everydayers. I see you. I read your comments. I read your notes. Appreciate you guys. Y'all are the freaking best. Become an everydayer. Join us every single weekday morning here on Locked On Vols. 30 minutes or less, your commute to work. You can subscribe on the YouTube channel. Please continue there, making that push to 7,000 subs and uh, wherever you get your audio listens okay guys so today's show the latest nfl mock drafts what are they saying about tennessee volunteers and why we should feel really good about tennessee having two first round selections of course we won't know officially until we get to thursday night you know if you ever want to hang your hat on any type of mock draft uh, that's your own business but uh, those drafts get funky teams get desperate and uh, there's always some craziness, and I can't wait for Thursday night to get here. I'm actually going to be covering a Tennessee baseball game, which, don't get me wrong, I enjoy covering Tennessee baseball. It's my job, and I like going to the ballpark and all that. But, I mean, for goodness gracious, like, why do we have to have a Thursday through Saturday series this week of all weeks, right? I mean, I'm going to be watching that first round up in the press box. So, a little annoyed by that, but it is what it is. It's part of the job. Uh, we'll continue to... we'll come back after that game and, and preview or record rather a Friday show. And we'll have all the reactions to where these two guys are going to be picked in the first round, because I do think Tennessee is going to have two first round selections. What are the latest NFL mock drafts saying that's coming up in segment number one, segment two, Jesse Simonson over at on three has put out his top 25 college football coaches. Where does Josh Heupel rank in that? And then we'll get into your mailbag questions in segment number three. All right, so let's go to this mock draft. This is Peter King, longtime NFL writer, uh, Football Morning in America, uh, NBC uh, website, and he put out a mock draft earlier this week, and it's kind of a funky one. It's It's got a lot of unique um, picks and selections and, and one big-time trade that really shakes up that board. So we're going to kind of go there with it. He does have two, two Tennessee Volunteers selected in the first round. You look quickly at, at the first pick. It's going to be Bryce Young of Alabama going to Carolina. Um, Peter King, and there's a couple of mock drafts out here lately. It's, it's almost becoming kind of a pattern here. And I don't know if it's just, you know, one rider reading another rider's work and then just trying to catch on a little bit. But a couple of different mock drafts last couple of days, I've seen Houston passing on a quarterback at number two, passing on a quarterback in C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young at number two. And this one is no different. Peter King has Houston selecting Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from nearby Texas Tech. Here's where it gets funky. At the third pick in Peter King's mock draft over at uh, NBC.com, he has the Tennessee Titans trading up to number three and taking quarterback C.J. Stroud. As a Titans fan, if Tennessee drafts Will Levis, it's going to be difficult. I'm not even going to lie to you. It is It is going to be really, really difficult. Tennessee right now has the the Titans have the 11th pick in the draft. If Tennessee moves up to get Anthony Richardson, I will understand it. Probably has the highest ceiling of any prospect in this draft, but it'll be a little bit tough because I have not seen the consistency there 
from an Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis. I've seen a lot more from Will Levis than Anthony Richardson. Uh, but anyway, overall, in the, in the grand scheme of things at the collegiate game, this is just coming from a Titans fan here. If Tennessee was to move up and take C.J. Stroud at number three, I would understand it. I would be okay with it. In fact, I'd probably be on board the more and more I read up. I mean, I know who C.J. Stroud is. Don't get me wrong. I cover college football. Um, I, I know exactly who he is. I know his game and all that. But the more and more I dive into his game as a Titans fan, I'll probably end up liking that. How much do you give up to move up um, those eight picks? I don't know. But if Tennessee, the Titans, were to do that, this Titans fan would understand and be okay knowing that Ryan Tannehill's career in Tennessee is coming to an end. Malik Willis is absolutely wholeheartedly not the answer. He is sorry to that one guy that I said Will Levis sucks um, came at me a couple weeks ago on the YouTube comments. I got news for you, buddy. Will, um, uh, what's his name? Malik Willis sucks so bad. So anyway, that's the big shakeup of this draft. CJ Stroud going to the smock draft. CJ Stroud going third to the Tennessee Titans in a trade. Indianapolis will then take Will Levis according to the smock draft. Seattle will take Jalen Carter. Will Anderson goes sixth to the Detroit. Um, Devin Weatherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois, goes seventh to Las Vegas. Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, goes eighth to Atlanta. Paris Johnson Jr., the offensive tackle, goes ninth to the Chicago Bears. That's the first offensive tackle selected in this draft. Of course, that's newsworthy for Darnell Wright. Uh, don't worry, guys. I'm getting to a ball here in just a second. Tenth uh, is Nolan Smith to the Philadelphia Eagles. Eleventh, Arizona, of course, trading back with Tennessee. Um, we'll take Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback of Oregon. And then coming in at number 12, the Houston Texans. Houston's in a good situation here, much like the Seattle Seahawks got a lot of capital in this draft. Houston selects number two and in number 12. If they miss, if they do not select a quarterback at number 12, you know, it, it's a really good landing spot to get either one of those guys that fall, whether it be Richardson and or Levis. And then the guy that's right here in this mock, Hendon Hooker, you know he's going to be there. Hendon Hooker selected 12th overall, according to Peter King, in his latest mock draft, 12th to Houston. Quote, guess which AFC South team has been doing work on Hooker the last two weeks or so? A clue, it's the team passing on C.J. Strout. Houston has a surplus of picks and no long-term quarterback, and the Texans simply couldn't come out of having seven picks in the top 50 of the 2022 and 23 drafts without one of them being a quarterback. Imagine the draft actually falls this way. The AFC South would have four quarterbacks picked in the top 12. Trevor Lawrence, CJ Strout, Will Levis, and Hendon Hooker of recent drafts and all under the age of 26. For the Texans, D'Amico Ryan prided himself on adding teachers to his coaching staff. Offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick and quarterbacks coach Jared Johnson will be assigned their most important students as he rehabs for part or most of the 2022 season or 23 season coming off an ACL tear if this pick goes down. Man, Hendon Hooker 12th to the Texans? You know what that means, right? There's one quarterback I haven't mentioned yet. You got to go all the way down to number 20. Got to go all the way down to number 23. And that's when the Minnesota Vikings select, according to this mock draft, Anthony Richardson. So the quarterbacks in this first round by Peter King goes one, Carolina Bryce Young, pick number three in a trade, Tennessee selects CJ Stroud, four, Indianapolis takes Will Levis, 12, the Texans take Hendon Hooker, and 23rd, the Vikings stay pat 
and they take Anthony Richardson. If I'm the Vikings at 23rd pick and Anthony Richardson falls into my lap, hell yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? I mean, you're not taking Anthony Richardson. You're not having moving up to get Anthony Richardson in the top 10. You're staying packed in the mid-20s and taking a quarterback that could potentially lead your franchise for 10-plus years. That would be quite the Christmas present, and it would be more of a reason to get excited, in my opinion, than if Hendon Hooker was sitting there for Minnesota to take. And hear me out while saying this. I would take Hendon over Anthony Richardson, but I get it. Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling. Anthony Richardson has the biggest upside. And Anthony Richardson's being projected and mocked as a top 10 pick. Hendon Hooker, sure, he's flashed up there, like, you know, around the top 10, like in this mock draft. But consistently, Hendon Hooker hadn't been up there. So, um, and plus Hendon Hooker's coming off an injury. So, man, what, what, what that would be. What else in this first-round mock draft by Peter King? Well, you go down to pick number 19. It's becoming a trendy pick. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle Tennessee, going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is what it says on Darnell Wright. The Bucs need young replenishments all over the field. This is probably a year or two early for a quarterback. So getting a tackle to pair for the next few years with Tristan Wirfs makes sense for GM Jason Lynch. Um, that's pretty much all it says on that. But according to Peter King of Football in Football Morning in America, uh, Tennessee Volunteers have Hendon Hooker going 12th to the Houston Texans and Darnell Wright going 19th to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, let's look at one more projection and then we will kind of give our overarching you know point here of second number one. Uh, ESPN's... Matt Miller did a seven-round mock draft with his projections and his picks. Four Tennessee Volunteers have been selected in this mock draft in the top 40 picks. 20 or 17th overall, Darnell Wright off at the tackle going to the Steelers. Hendon Hooker going 23rd to the Minnesota Vikings. And, and again, I'll get to it in a moment. Hendon Hooker going 23rd to the Minnesota Vikings. Jalen Hyatt going 35th to the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. Cedric Tillman going 39th to the Carolina Panthers. When you go on down to the third round, Byron Young will go to the Tennessee Titans. I like that one at, at pick number 72. And then all the way towards the bottom half of the draft, Trayvon Flowers is being selected by the San Francisco 49ers. I think outside of those top five guys, I think, honestly, uh, Jerome Carvin will be the next player selected, if any. Tennessee might only get five drafted, but if they get six, I think it'll go... Jerome Carvin, and then probably, in my opinion, it would go Jeremy Banks and then Trayvon Flowers. But, you know, we'll have to see all those guys. If they don't get drafted, they'll sign priority free agent assignments. All right, here's my here's my takeaway. And we're going to continue to talk NFL draft every single day here on Locked On Vols leading up to Thursday night. Tennessee's going to have two picks in the first round. We know Darnell Wright's going to be picked in the first round. And I love my guys over the Locked On NFL draft and, and the mock drafts and all that. And we talked about it on yesterday's show. They had Darnell Wright being selected 28th by the Bengals. He's not going to go that far. Okay, he's not going to slide that far. But that's the latest mock I've seen for Darnell Wright. Pretty much everything else has been in the mid to late teens for Darnell Wright. And Darnell Wright's going to be picked in the first round no matter what. I truly believe Hendon Hooker's going to be a first-round pick. Because teams are going to get funky and weird, right? I can see a run of quarterbacks in the top five where four quarterbacks are selected. One, two, three, four, if everybody stays put. I could see a team like Houston saying, you know what? I'm good. Let me get best available at this point in time, like a Tyree Wilson, and then circle back around at 12, yeah, and take my quarterback. Or Houston could say, let me get a quarterback at number two, 12 comes up. Let me trade down to a team that wants to draft up and get a quarterback, right? 
I can see this going a number of different ways. But no matter what, I do think a quarterback, if there's not a run on quarterbacks in the top five, I think a quarterback is going to be selected in the mid-20s. And I think that can be where Hendon Hooker goes. Seattle at 24, Minnesota at 23. You kind of ride around in that, that area right there. Um, all these mock drafts kind of have a common theme, and we know because it's a position of importance, you've got to have a quarterback in the National Football League. you got to have a quarterback at every level, and teams get desperate, and that's why I think Hendon Hooker is a trendy pick, and he will be a first-round draft pick. Uh, we'll continue to break down and preview, rather, the NFL draft that is to come later this week, but that's the latest in terms of the mock drafts that I am seeing and what they say about Tennessee, Hendon Hooker, Darnell Wright, and the other draft-eligible players. Okay, when we come back, Jesse Simonson over at On3, he puts out his top 25 college football coaches at this stage in the offseason. Where does he rank Josh Heupel? That and more. It's coming up next right here on Locked On Vols. Grand slams, no-hitters, double plays. They are back, and there's no better place to get in on all that MLB action than over at FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. You can take a pitcher, set the total, maybe seven strikeouts. You want to take the over or the under in that specific start for your starting pitcher. What about uh, home runs hit throughout a weekend series? Set the over or under at three for a certain position player. What about home runs, RBI, win totals for the entire season? All those totals you could find for your baseball action this summer over at FanDuel Sportsbook. Don't miss your chance for a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, it's the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, guys, we're back at it. It's Twitter Tuesday, your mailbag edition of the show. That is coming up in segment number three. But before we get into that, guys, as I welcome you back here to Locked On Vols, I do want to get into Jesse Simonton over at On3. He put out his top 25 college football head coach rankings at this stage of the offseason. Now, I think we discussed his SEC rankings earlier in the offseason. He's been doing this kind of week by week, and I think he actually started with the SEC head coaching rankings, and that came out you know way back in March. And if you remember, kind of a refresher course, he had Josh Hopple as the fourth highest ranked coach in the SEC, behind Kirby Smart, behind Nick Saban, behind Brian Kelly, and there's Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel came in front of Mark Stoops at number five, Shane Beamer at number six, Lane Kiffin at number seven, Jimbo Fisher. Goodness, how the mighty have fallen at number eight, Hugh Freeze at nine, Sam Pittman at 10, Billy Napier at 11, Clark Lee at 12, Eli Drinkwitz at 13, and Zach Arnett at 14. Man, there's some quality coaches in the SEC. I'm laughing because Eli Drinkwitz is below Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. God, Eli Drinkwitz is so bad. It is incredible. I am not an Eli Drinkwitz fan, you guys. You everydayers probably know that because anytime I get an opportunity to dunk on Eli Drinkwitz, I will. I think he's a clown. Um, I think he tries so hard to stay relevant, and uh, he's not a not a very good head football coach. I think he's a good offensive mind, but um, he tries to nitpick and make jokes around the league. He tries to be a little version of Lane Kiffin, which I don't advise that because I think Kiffin is, though witty, I think he's still really annoying. And Eli Drinkwitz tries to do that. Also, Eli Drinkwitz got a raise to $6.2 million before last football season. And it's like every coach in the SEC is like, thank you and thank you and thank you. Because if you're that bad and making over six point two annually, annually, what's that mean for me? All right, let me get off my, my little 
my little argument there against Eli Drinkwitz. Zach Arnett being last, that makes complete sense. He's taken over for a legend, and this is his first year head coaching. Uh, you know, Billy Napier wasn't too long ago. It was this time last offseason where they were putting Billy Napier ahead of Josh Heupel, and, and it made no sense, right? Because Josh Heupel's actually coached a year at this point in time in the SEC. He's been a head coach longer than Billy Napier, and it's like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Why is Billy Napier? It's, that's why it's always just about, you know, momentum and and just all the popular picks of the new head coaches around the league. But anyway, uh, Josh Heupel came in at number four in front of Mark Stoops, in front of Shane Beamer, according to Jesse Simonton uh, in his SEC head coaching rankings. Now, he finished those off. He did every other conference and Power 5 conference and top 10 group of 10 head coaches, uh, top 10 group of five head coaches, and he made a top 25 list. Okay, no surprise your SEC head coaches are going to be towards the top. Kirby Smart comes out of the top of this, and it's hard to hard to argue, right? I mean, back-to-back national championships. I understand there's this is a Tennessee podcast, but it is what it is. Kirby Smart is ranked ahead of Nick Saban right now. Nick Saban comes in number two. Dabo Sweeney's at three. Jim Harbaugh, who's had a couple of college football playoff appearances here in the last little bit. Uh, he comes in at number four. Lincoln Riley at USC is at number five. Brian Kelly is at number six. Remember what we say here on Lockdown Vols. Everydayers know this. Brian Kelly, great football coach, scumbag of a human being. Ryan Day at number seven. I think that's a little too low, but whatever. Uh, Kyle Winningham is at number eight. Um, I understand that one. Luke Fickle. Here's a good example. Luke Fickle, Wisconsin, at number nine. He's got a brand new challenge, right? This is not group of five football anymore. And he did a tremendous job. Tremendous job at Cincinnati. Um... He's you know coming up on a new challenge and coaching at the Big Ten in Wisconsin that historically has, you know, they don't win big, right? But they win consistently. They have, you know, nine, ten win seasons all the time. But why is Luke Fickle in the top ten? I, I don't quite understand that one, in my opinion. James Franklin's at number 10. I get that. Uh Kellen DeBoer, Washington had a really, really, really good year one. I I can see that a little bit. Chris Kleiman at Kansas State. I get it. Sony Dyke should be ranked higher, in my opinion. Um I uh, had some hilarious comments about the final week of the uh, or the last couple of weeks of the SEC schedule on how, you know, us at TCU we don't we don't take weeks off, right? We you know we, we don't we don't play the the Citadels and the uh, you know the Georgia Techs and all that. We we play tough every single week. Okay, Sonny Dykes, you try to come in and coach an SEC schedule one year, you go you go five and seven in a heartbeat. But anyway, he did go to the national championship last year, so I think he should be higher on this list. But he's at number 13. And then here comes Josh Heupel at number 14. Quote, this is what Simonson says on Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel inherited a smoking crater in Tennessee and within two years was puffing cigars inside Neyland Stadium after upsetting Alabama. Tennessee finally has its man as head coach. And Heupel delivered the Vols their best season in close to 25 years with a huge win, huge wins over the Crimson Tide, Florida, LSU, and Clemson. Heupel has shown the ability to produce high-flying offenses with various quarterbacks, top 10 scoring units in all five seasons as a head coach, including number one nationally in 2022. And his staff at Tennessee has been the model for player development. See Hendon Hooker. The next step, see Darnell Wright as well. The next step for Heupel is to start recruiting at a top five level if the Vols want to compete for championships on an annual basis. Um, I don't disagree with a lot of that. I think he's pretty spot on. Um, you know, Tennessee has won some battles. Tennessee, of course, you know, according to on three, you know, my place of employment, right? You know, got the number one player, no, the number one recruit in the class of 2023 to sign to your program, right? 
you went to consistently in the industry recruiting rankings, you know, rank inside the top five annually. I get that. And that is a step for Josh Heupel. But recruiting so far, specifically how you've been recruiting, how you've been going about building your classes, quarterback, rushing the quarterback, trench play. It's been decent so far. It could be better on the offensive line. We know that. But um, I would agree with most of that. Lance Leipoid at Kansas comes in at 15. And then um, quickly it goes Mark Stoops, Dave Clawson, Willie F uh, Fritz. Shane Beamer, Lane Kiffin rounding out the top 20. Then it's Kirk Ferentz, Brett Belima, Matt Rule, Jeff Taylor, and Mike Gundy rounding out the top 25. Honestly, I don't have that big of an issue with Josh Heupel in the SEC rankings for Jesse Simon or in the overall rankings. Again, I think Sony Dyke should be a little bit higher than 13th because, again, he just went off a national championship run. Um, I'm not really sure why... Luke Fickle's a top 10 coach because he's not coached one season at the Power 5 level, so I, I would disagree with that a little bit. I think Ryan Day's a little bit too low, but again, as far as Tennessee is concerned and, J and Josh Heupel, I think it's you know pretty solid. Tell me right now, Tennessee has a top 15 head coach in college football, a top 5 head coach in the SEC, and you won 11 games last year, and you brought in the number one recruit in the nation for the class of 2023. Things are good right now. Can you stack it on top of one another? Can you go and get another double-digit win season? That is the challenge now for Josh Heupel in Tennessee in 2023. And, of course, we're going to preview and talk about everything in that regard right here on Locked on Vols. Let's answer your mailbag questions. That's coming up next right here on the show, your Tuesday show, Locked on Vols. All right, guys, we've got a final segment left here of this Tuesday edition of Locked on Vols. It is your team every single day. Shout out every dayers, and this segment is for you. Mailbag portion of the podcast each and every Tuesday. We call it Twitter Tuesday. It's whenever you guys send in questions, comments, concerns, whatever you guys may have so we can discuss it uh, here on the show. And uh, let's go ahead and dive into it. Jeremy says, who was playing left guard and defensive tackle on the Nico to Ethan Davis play from the Orange and White game? The left guard got ran over by the defensive lineman. Uh, of course, that's Nico Iamaliava. That is Ethan Davis. It's the rollout play whenever the, the pocket collapse. Actually, and I'll, I'll kind of on this play you're discussing, the left guard loses his balance, trips over Deshaun Bishop, who was the running back, actually, and their feet get tangled up, so he falls. The defensive lineman pushes him over, and that's why Nico had to evade out of the pocket, go to his right, throwing on the run to Ethan Davis on the sideline, a beautiful play. Um, went back and watched that play, and to my, to my best uh, knowledge and trying to see jersey numbers and all that, the left guard was Mo Clipper, I believe. I think that was 56 painted across his chest. But again, um, he got tangled up. His feet got tangled up with Deshaun Bishop, who was stepping up to help pass protect. And that's why it looked like he got ran over. The defensive lineman that ran him over, actually, surprisingly, is Amari McNeil, who we discussed going in the transfer portal on yesterday's show. But those are the two guys, to my knowledge, uh, who were in on that play. Let's go to Kurt. Put these balls in order and how you think they'll be drafted this week. Hooker, Tillman, Hyatt, Young, Wright. All right, I think that, boy, it'd be fun. It'd be fun if a team like uh, Houston took Hendon Hooker at number 12. Whew. I think Darnell Wright's going to be your first pick taken from Tennessee, and I think that'll be somewhere in the mid-teens, 17 uh, to Pittsburgh, maybe uh, maybe 19 to Tampa Bay. I know New England, I think, is at 14. They've been a trendy pick as well. I think Darnell Wright's going to be your first one. Mid to late teens, I think... Darnell, or excuse me, I think Hendon Hooker will be in that that low to mid twenty range for the Seattle or for the Minnesota because the team's going to want to draft a quarterback 
because of the runs on quarterback, and they're going to want to make sure that they get up there and get there. So if those two teams stay pat and take a quarterback or maybe a team moves back into the first round, I do think Hendon Hooker is going to be a first-round pick. So I'll go right going there. I'll go Hooker going mid to low 20s. I will go Jalen Hyatt mid to late 30s. Cedric Tillman late to early 40s. And then I will go Byron Young mid fifties. Um, I think that that's kind of kind of how that's going to look. Uh, and again, that's that's just me. I think it's that order. But you know, drafts are crazy, and we'll see if uh, we'll see if it you know happens that way. Let's go to Jason. Do you think Tennessee is trending away from Boo Carter? I see a lot of Michigan stuff flirting around Twitter. Um, I wouldn't say that Tennessee's in good spot with Boo Carter. Doesn't mean that it's over. It uh, doesn't mean that uh, he's all but coming to Tennessee. But he is an in-state prospect. He's been to Tennessee so many different times. Boo Carter is a guy, and we'll talk to Matt Ray and, of course, um, you know, Jason later on and, uh, you know, around when we talk uh, recruiting and all that. But uh, nonetheless, um, he's a guy that loves the process. He's a guy, John Garcia. <laughs> I said, Jason, he was helping us out doing some locked on uh basketball recruiting but John Garcia my guy used to work for Sports Illustrated and now helps out with um, does even more with us here on Locked On Network anyway we'll talk to John we'll talk to Matt Ray at some point but anyway um Boo Carter is the guy that loves the process he likes to go on visits he likes to you know post on Twitter do the edits and there's nothing wrong with that this is your only chance to ever do this right unless you want to do a transfer but I think Tennessee's in good position there but I don't think he's in a hurry to make a decision one way or the other whether it's Tennessee or somewhere else uh, let's go down to Vol for Vol fan for life. Will Tennessee beat either Georgia or Alabama this year? I say yes. Um, it's a great question. There's opportunity there, especially Georgia at home. And hear me out: both teams breaking in a brand new quarterback. Both teams have such great rosters right now, though it's going to be a challenge. I do not think that Alabama is good at quarterback right now. I don't. I think Georgia's going to be okay. In fact. I think Georgia, I've said this a time or two, I think Georgia's getting better physically at the quarterback position. Now, you know, Stetson Bennett had a great mind. He was sneaky athletic. He won back-to-back -back national championships with a, with an all-Madden roster. I get all that, but let's give credit where credit's due. Stetson Bennett got better and better and better. But physically and athletically, I think Georgia's going to get better at quarterback in those regards. But again, there's a lot more going into playing that position than just that. Alabama, Ty Simpson... Milrow, I just, I, I'm not buying it, but those rosters are so good. They just stack recruiting class on top of recruiting class on top of recruiting class. Like Jesse was talking about in segment number two, um, you know, on the charge that Josh hype on recruiting in the, in the college football head coaching rankings. Um, I'll say yes. I think Tennessee's in a position to where you can't knock off one of those big dogs. I, I guess I would say Georgia at home would be the best opportunity but they might have better quarterback play than, than that of Alabama. So I don't know. We'll see. It's a really, really good question. We'll continue on here. Let's go to James. James says, are there any players that disappointed in spring practices? We've heard the names of guys who impress, but there's always the other side of the coin. Good point. Um, and I don't like talking about this because I don't want people to, to misunderstand me and think that I'm like crapping on a kid or anything or say like, you know, oh, it's over, he's never going to play, because, again, that's that's just not the case. Like, Elijah Simmons had a really great spring, but Elijah Simmons has never consistently been in the plans for Tennessee ever, right? And so that's just a good example of how things can kind of change a little bit. Andre Kirik did not take control of the left guard position, and there's a lot to play in offensive line in this system. I get it. 
Um, Andre Kirik would be in this conversation that I'm having that needs to really show out in fall camp if he's going to be a factor for Tennessee on the offensive line. So he would be in that category. Maybe Jordan Thomas at safety. Now, he had an injury late, and so maybe that had something to do with it. But I didn't hear Andre, or Jordan Thomas's name an awful lot. Um, maybe a guy like Joshua Josephs. Heard a lot about James Pierce. Maybe maybe not as much about Joshua Josephs, but I would I really wouldn't even put him in that category. There was just a lot of guys who were out, right? I mean, there was a ton of guys. Maybe Caleb Webb, who had a really good orange and white game, but didn't really do much else in practice from a little bit of what we've been told. Um, I would kind of go along with that. Andre Kirk would lead that conversation for me. I'm in no way, shape, or form saying that he'll never play at Tennessee, but he didn't have the best spring. But you hear more about guys who are standing out than guys who are not standing out, if that makes sense. Good question, James. Hope I helped you out a little bit. Let's go to Jacob. Jacob says, can we put Georgia on blast for a moment? By all means. Their schedule is weak with only two true road games, UT and Auburn. Florida is neutral. Yeah, that's the world's largest cocktail party. Vandy will be half red. So will Georgia Tech. Very good point, especially Georgia Tech. I understand they had to take Oklahoma off, but man, what an easy, easy schedule. Yeah, Georgia's got a really, really easy schedule. That is for sure. It's not like you got to play Alabama every year if you're the University of Tennessee. Think about Tennessee last year. Tennessee had to play Georgia on the road, Alabama at home, LSU on the road. Good grief. I mean, I mean, Tennessee's got Texas A&M coming to Neyland Stadium this year. Yeah, Georgia's got an easy schedule, no doubt about it, but schedule set. They got a loaded roster. Just is what it is. But anytime you want to put Georgia on blast, uh, by all means. Last question is going to go to Roba22. couple of questions. Number one, make yourself NCAA commissioner for 2024. How would you regulate NIL and the transfer portal to make it as even as far as possible amongst all levels of college football? Number two, do you even want or need regulations on either of them? Or do we just let this go and hope that it get, it doesn't get worse? Good question. Um, I'm a capitalist. I like the free markets. I think that it was um, unjust to make all this money from these college athletes and then not get any type of piece of the pie. I also think that your name, your image, your likeness, what you can garner from that is yours. So I don't like the idea of a cap on NIL whatsoever. I don't. Um, with states, national, and all those regulations and laws and everything, I, I think it's impossible to do that. So I don't see this going away. Um, but the fact that NIL was made legal in college football, it's not like you can overturn it now is, is my thing. I think what needs to happen, and I don't have all the answers, but the month of December, it's why nobody wants to coach college anymore. And that's why I will forever stand on a box and say college football coaches are underpaid. They deserve to get as much money as they possibly can. I understand people are saying, oh, you know, Nick Saban's overpaid, Dabo Sweeney's overpaid, Jimbo Fisher's overpaid, Josh Heupel's overpaid, yada, yada, yada. I mean, I hear you, but in the same sense, everything they have to go through, you get that money and run. You deserve it because you don't have a life. You don't have a life. Every Like the summer is not, you don't, you don't get vacations. You don't get days to yourself. You are constantly in that room recruiting, going and speaking at this engagement, coaching football, getting your roster, meeting with your roster. Think about the month of December, okay? As you wrap up the regular season, you're preparing for a bowl game, okay? 
also you are meeting with every single member of your football team to have an exit interview and discuss their future on the team because why well there's a transfer portal you are actively recruiting your own players to stay in your program you are actively recruiting recruits high school prospects to sign with your team here in just a couple of days you are getting ready for a bowl game and you're also recruiting players out of the transfer portal with that first window it's tough the month of december is why nobody wants to coach college football right now how how would i change that well the easy answer would be to do away with the early signing period that's the easy answer uh go back to the old days where you just have one what if you made an august signing day because again the way the calendar is right now you unofficial all winter you official in june you commit in july that's just kind of how it is what if you made an august signing day to where you can go ahead and sign and and get done with that and, and go and play your senior year i i don't know um the early signing day to alleviate pressure on coaching staffs and head coaches i think needs to go away it's not like you i like the transfer portal windows i really do but the placement of the first window is so challenging because again you're already trying to finish off your signing class you're trying to coach you're trying to do exit interviews and keep guys on your roster from entering the transfer portal i like that window but it's not like you can move that window because you can't move it to january 1st right because some schools start back january the 7th you're talking about a week right there tennessee is different they start back late on like january the 20th so tennessee would be okay but what about some other schools that start back on the 7th the 8th the 10th i don't know it's it's difficult but right now it's not working easy answer would be to move the early signing period maybe move it to the second week of january I, I i don't know it's it is a challenge and uh again i don't have all the answers i might act like i do sometimes but i don't but the guys who make the answers again they, they they can make some money because that's that is a difficult decision but my answer would be move the early signing period all right great questions as always here on locked on ball twitter tuesday mailbag edition of the show thank you so much for sending those in shout out you everydayers appreciate you guys so much seriously it means the world to me that you guys hang out with us every single day how do you become an everydayer well let's listen to locked on vaults five days a week on your way to work your morning commute at the workout room uh you know walking the dog wherever it is five days a week we do this dog and pony show called locked on vaults and have a good time doing it appreciate you guys as always for making it your first listen if you haven't already please help the show out support the show support me help me out by subscribing to us on YouTube and, and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. Do both. You can do both. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, um, wherever. Uh, that, that helps me and helps the show out so much. Guys, I appreciate it. As always, we'll come back and talk a little Josh Ward coming up tomorrow and more as you listen and watch Locked on Balls.